The Chiefs won the AFC West for the seventh straight year, and that's the headline from Sunday's 30-24 overtime victory over the Houston Texans. But there are plenty of subplots to discuss, and we do that on today's Sportsbeat KC podcast. I'm Blair Kirkhoff, and it's Monday, December 19th. The Texans have one victory, have now lost nine straight, and they picked up a measly 219 total yards on Sunday. How did they push the 11-3 Chiefs to the brink? So many Chiefs mistakes. We go over them all with star columnist Vahe Gregorian and beat writer Herbie T.O.P. Let's jump right into the show that started as a post-game Sportsbeat Live broadcast. Hello and welcome to Sportsbeat Live. This is the Chiefs post-game show from the Kansas City Star. You're going to hear from the folks in the media who know them best. Today it's Herbie Teope and Vahe Gregorian. Um, and we want to hear from you because you know your Chiefs. Let us know what you think about the 30-24 victory over the Houston Texans, a game that required overtime. And Chiefs overcame some things. They created a lot of problems for themselves. Uh, a lot happened in this game. If after last week's victory at Denver, closer than expected, uh, you were thinking uh, a game against the 1-11-1 Houston Texans uh, would, would give you a leisurely afternoon of football watching, you were sadly mistaken. So, <laughs> Scolded but, by Blair. <laughs> There, there is no leisurely afternoon with these Chiefs, who, by the way, are 11-3 and three and the AFC West champs for the seventh consecutive season. That means they are guaranteed at least one home game in the playoffs and could be two. It could be three. Uh, it could be two, right? And, um, uh, and that would be something if they were the number one seed. Even if they're number two seed, they could play two at home and then one on the road. So, anyway, let's um, let, let's just go with initial thoughts. Uh, Vahe, what, what 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 was going through your mind during this game, and uh, what what is uh, one or two of the big takeaways for you? Well, it, look, the main thing is that sort of to your point at the start, Blair, that that you you felt like all right after what happened last week. I don't know if I expected them to win leisurely, but I expected them to come out and play, you know, rip snorting football, right? That, all right, well, we're, we're not going to just, you know, drift and meander through this. Um, and it was different than Denver. They, they, they were, they were uh, off kilter from the start this time. Um, so, and, and so that it is distressing. Um, and, and that's my biggest takeaway from the game. It is distressing. On the other hand, and this is really true, you know, okay, they've got the foundational work done with the seventh straight AFC West. Okay, that's that's a good box to check. They sort of held serve or at least kept pace with Buffalo, um, which, you know, the, this would have really mattered if they lost today. You sort of feel like, well, they, there's no chance for the number one seed. I still think there's plenty of chance for the number one seed. I mean, especially with Buffalo playing Cincinnati and at New England, I think, in the last game. So, that's still in play. And then a little something I just looked up a little while ago. It's easy to forget this. Um, but if you recall that after they went to the Super Bowl after the 2019 season, the next season, uh, as they went into the playoffs, the Chiefs won seven straight games by six points or fewer. Um, and uh, several of those, I just did these numbers, 10, 14, 22, 
Uh, it, three of the teams they played were 14 and 34. Okay. Um, don't do the math right. Yeah. So they played some crummy teams in there. They barely beat them. And I think, you know, we just sort of thought, well, this boy, that's not what a championship team does. And this and that. I just feel like we need to remember every season is kind of its own adventure. We don't, we're not going to know what this stuff means till we put it in the, uh, uh, you know, flux capacitor later and look back at, at what, what this meant. Okay. So Vahe wildly optimistic about these chiefs after <laughs> squeaking by the Broncos and the, and the Texans. All right, Herbie, what, uh, uh, throw your two cents in here. What did you see and what should be the biggest concerns from well, this game? First off, yeah, first off, major kudos to Vahe there for the flux capacitor reference. I know, how about that? Back to the future, my goodness. Look. Well, it's good that men of a certain age know the reference. As, <laughs> as we Coffee and men of a certain age. I, I'm, I, I tend to be optimistic a little with Vahe, but – when you look at the Broncos and now the Texans, we're talking about two of the worst scoring offenses in the NFL. Uh, last week, the Broncos only averaged, I think it was 13.8 points per game. They scored 28. Uh, this week, the Bron uh, the Texans averaged like 16 points a game, and they put up 24. And so it, you can't help but be concerned about what's going on with this defense. Turnovers, too. Both turnovers today, the Isaiah Pacheco's fumble, lost fumble, which is his second of the year, fourth on the season, second lost on the year. Uh, normally sure-handed Juju Smith-Schuster with the fumble led to two, two touchdowns. Uh, you, you can't keep putting your defense on short fields in bad situations when, you, when you're facing these kinds of teams, and, you, and they just gave them hope. The Chiefs played with fire today. I, I think, you know, Blair, you're talking You know earlier, you gave that long uh, – speech about, you know, what we thought was going to happen. Dude, I went through three rewrites. <laughs> Again, like, okay, the game's over. Whoop, whoop, there goes a missed field goal. You know, and it's, it seems like there's always something every week. I don't think we've seen a complete game from the Chiefs. Maybe, um, maybe once or twice this season, but it's kind of hard to put your finger on it. But I'm concerned. Yeah, look, um, uh, nine straight games with a turnover now. Uh, for the Chiefs, the, the if, there, if there was good news to come out of that, none of them were an interception by Mahomes. And we'll get into Mahomes in a little bit. What he had a fantastic game, one of the best numbers games of, of his career. But um, Roy is on uh, makes the same point, Herbie, that you did. Defense and turnovers. Um, you, you keep playing like this again, and and you bring this sort of uh, these sort of mistakes to uh, a game against the Bills, the Bengals, um, and even the Titans, who might probably will end up winning the, their division as well, it's a short stay in the playoffs for you. Uh, there's no doubt about that. Both of the fumbles, uh, one by Juju Smith-Schuster and the other by Isaiah Pacheco, led to Texans touchdowns, uh, which means the defense couldn't rescue the offense in those moments. Uh, one was a short field, one wasn't, but both resulted in touchdowns. Just as the the, the Texans fumble resulted in a in the, the game winning Chiefs touchdown, and uh, so you know it's funny. I, I do the grades for the, the Chiefs after the game and try to get them done within about ten minutes afterwards. Um, and this was a game in which if the Chiefs had lost, 
to, and I'll repeat, the 111-1 Texans, everything would have been an F, everything. Every, every category I would have failed. Um, but because the Chiefs pulled it out, uh, they're, they're often, passing offense gets a B. They don't get an A because there were some mistakes in the past. As good as Mahomes was, 20 straight completions, right? Personal record. Um, a career-best completion percentage, 87.8% for a full game. 336 yards, a fantastic game for Patrick Mahomes. He did get sacked twice. Um, he did misconnect on a couple of long balls. Uh, the one early to Marquez, uh, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, and then the one uh, to, uh, to Justin Watson. I thought bo- both of those were there and could have been very long gainers for the Chiefs. Um, so it wasn't perfect, but Mahomes was, was very, very good. Um, let's, uh, um, let's stay on the defense, though, for a second. Um, Roy uh, brings up Juan Thornhill. I thought he had a terrible game, uh, Juan Thornhill, just a terrible game. And uh, penalties at the wrong times didn't uh, the coverage was 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 not so much. We, we've talked about it before, but um, I, I just thought that among others who had poor games, uh, Juan Thornhill had a had a bad one. Um, so, what, what else, Herbie, can we say about this? Vahe mentioned it. This is a you know team that. Um, you know, that has just given up too many points to the Broncos and the the Texans, but Texans only finished with 210 total yards. There is, is there something there that we can you know that we can take away from from the defense and and feel a little bit good about? No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Thank I, I, you. you say 210 yards. I get that, but when I look at the Texans, okay, they didn't have their leading rusher. They didn't have Brandon Cooks. They didn't have Collins. You know both of their leading receivers and their top rusher. And and yet here we are with Davis Mills, keeping them in the game with three touchdown passes to all his tight ends. I get that the Chiefs defense is young. You know, we we know they're young and then they're going to run into these situations. But when you face off against the Broncos and Texans, you somehow cannot close out the game. And it's a lot closer than we thought it should be. The Chiefs entered this game 14 point favorites and had to have overtime to beat the Texans. And you have to be alarmed at that. With, with the defense, you know, without Frank Clark making that play, you know, that, that really, to me, that was the game-changing play. The, the, oh, yeah. Willie Gay, the recovery, and obviously Jerk McKinnon, who had a phenomenal game, you know, over the last two games. He has four touchdowns now. But the defense against these types of opponents, you know, you like to see some domination, and we just don't see it. Yeah, yep. Um so, uh, and Mike reminds us about the penalties. Now, was this a, uh, a Carl Sheffers uh, game uh, or were the Chiefs really sloppy on, on uh, especially on defense when it came to the penalties? I thought kind of a hybrid. Um, you know, I, I think, is it Doug or I can't remember who it is, or Roy pointing out the one where, where uh, you know, Thornhill was basically standing still and got run into and got, hey, got, got called flag, for a penalty. Right? I thought we saw a couple of those. I also thought, you know, the other the other way, I, I one of those plays in the first half, I can't remember who did it now, the way Mahomes got thrown down, that, that, for all the ticky-tack um, roughing, let's say roughness penal, penalties and such we've seen on quarterbacks this year, I was like, that that seemed to me to be a textbook example of what you have to call. So 
I, you know, you'd have to in in the in the eye of the storm. It's sometimes hard to keep track of all. I and plus, you're not seeing the whole field in terms of all the things that are happening and uh, about officiating. And I, but I think the Chiefs were deservingly uh, recipients of penalties enough that it calls into question their their mindset and their sloppiness. Right, all these things kind of to me add up a little bit. Ten penalties. Uh, probably 15 that were called or 13 or 14 that were called. A couple declined. A couple were multiple penalties on the same play. Um, again, with the turnovers, you know, they're down. We don't know the to- updated totals of the rest of the NFL, but their turnover ratio is down among the l- bottom three or four teams in the league now. Um, so those kinds of things, those aren't those aren't good indicators. And, you know, again, Blair, back to the one point, I think we sort of made it this way, but just to amplify it, I mean, We've seen these Steve Spagnuolo defenses get better as the season goes on most of the time, um, radically a couple different seasons. And that's really not what you'd say we're seeing right now, um, not at all. I mean, it. this was, I think, a season-high tying game for the Texans on the scoreboard, yeah. you know, the worst team in the NFL. And then a week ago, uh, the season-high for the Broncos that were, I think, the first or second-worst offense in the NFL. That's, that's – um, not good. Troubling, troubling. How about um, how about Kevin Harlan, who I who I think is outstanding, uh, and him and Trent Green. I would take them on every game that I watch, Chiefs or otherwise. But how about him uh, summoning the stat uh, the the Texans over twenty eight on plays that are third and eleven this year? And just <laughs> as those words were coming out of his mouth, thirteen uh, yard touchdown pass from the Texans. <laughs> You know, the other thing he did, he said that Butker uh, has never missed more than four field goals in the season as he was missing his fifth. Uh, he's pretty he's pretty uncanny in a lot in a lot of ways. And and uh, it's a side point. But is there anybody I, I there was really nobody I'd rather hear do a game than Kevin Harlan. Anybody. So that that that's a treat. And not just uh, for his color points, but his insights. No doubt about it. Okay, so you guys as veteran Chiefs watchers, see if you agree with me on this. I thought that when the Chiefs – so late in the second quarter, um, Houston decides to punt fourth and one at midfield. I thought that was a crazy call by Lovey Smith. But they pin the Chiefs at the three, and um, and, and the Chiefs are, you know, they're they're screwing around down there. Finally, Mahomes scrambles to the right, throws back to the left, hits Kelsey – um, one of 10 targets and 10 receptions for Kelsey, by the way. And Kelsey, you know, looks like he's getting jostled and gets a unnecessary roughness penalty. And I can remember thinking, you know what, that's necessary roughness. The way the Chiefs are playing, they needed some kind of spark, and they got the spark, right? They went down the field and um, uh, got, a, got a touchdown right at the end of the – basically the end of the first half, Butker misses the extra point. But I thought the feel of the game had changed, especially when the Chiefs got the second-half kickoff, drove again, and did get a but, uh, Butker field goal this time and had scored, you know, last possession of the first half, first possession of the second half. But then and, – and then the Chiefs get the ball back. They get a defensive hole, get the ball back. That's when Juju Smith fumbled. Uh, and – Again, the, the the game flipped on the Chiefs one more time just because of the fumble. Yeah, and, you know, I don't know if you guys felt like this, but they, this was all precarious, um, right, with all those sorts of things. It could never quite 
pull away and and you you could kind of you could envision a scenario where they could lose but i don't i guess i don't think i ever quite thought they would lose i i i just sort of thought and eh, they're gonna pull this out somehow and and they're gonna it's gonna be in the danger zone but they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna pull it out but I hate to keep circling back to this point, but I kind of wonder if they they come to feel like that in a game like this. Like, well, you know, we we oh uh, yeah, we fumbled, and I, I guess we need a little extra juice right now. We'll we'll get it. Um, and, but the the reason I bring it up again is because I think what what you, we're now left to wonder right is what they can summon against a team that is the best of the best. Um, and it bears mention that they're 0 2 against the, uh, you know, the, the, the biggest obstacles that I, I would foresee for them. So at their very best, theoretically, they haven't been able, been good enough to beat the Bills or the Bengals. And, um, at, at their mediocre, uh, <laughs> mid, mid range game, they're, you know, they're, they're eking past teams. So well, I think they're a bit per, perplexing, um, it, it's very hard to picture what this signature is going to be, I think. Well, when you think about the, um, uh, the, the those two games, Vahe, that you mentioned, the Bengals and the Bills, Chiefs had the ball with the lead in the fourth quarter and turned it over, um, the Kelsey fumble, and that's what um, uh, that's what ended up losing the game for the for the Chiefs that day. And if I if memory serves, correct me if I'm wrong, Herbie, that. Against the Bills, they're down twenty. They're, they're down four. They need a touchdown, and Mahomes ends up throwing an interception on the last possession for the Chiefs, as, as I recall. So turnovers, giveaways have been such a theme for this team this year. We had this discussion. I think it was either earlier this week or or after the Denver game. I, I, I could be totally wrong. Uh, I often am, but turnovers to me are an epidemic. You, you don't. You can't turn them off. Once once a team becomes a little turnover prone, um, it, it's just hard to stop that in a season. You just don't you don't see that. It, it just it just tend to happen. And you think about the two giveaways today; they were by new chiefs, right? Pacheco and Smith Schuster, and Pacheco paid for his. I mean, they, they he was banished to the bench the rest of the first half. I think it, it either happened late first or early second quarter. And Andy Reid, Eric Bieniemy, they said enough. You're going to the bench. I never thought he had control of the ball uh, when he when he fumbled it away. But that's his second lost fumble this year, and, um, and he absolutely paid for it with some playing time. And Smith Schuster's, you just have to. That's his second fumble of the year as well. I'm not used to seeing this from from the Chiefs. I'm just not. Um, I know we're circling around here, but it's funny. It's, this had. They've had some spikes, uh, you know, now and then. Oh, go ahead, Herbie. Sorry, I think we got a little bad uh, connection. Go ahead. No, no. I, I think, um, you know, to, to Blair's question, what Daniel Beisinger said it a few minutes ago, that the Chiefs seem so Jekyll and Hyde based on the caliber opponent, you know, and I, and I tend to agree with that because we're seeing that now. You know, um, when you're playing inferior teams, and, I, and I'm going to go, I'm going to like lean on our college football Hall of Fame uh, panel member here. You know, his experience as, as a Division One college football player, when you're playing an inferior opponent, you don't want to give them hope. You want to put them down, you know, and just make the show that you are the dominant team. And when you're not doing that, you got the playoffs here looming 
looming on the horizon. You mentioned the Bills, you mentioned the Bengals. You know, they gave them a good fight, and you expect that from when two elite teams go at it. But when you have an elite team and an inferior team, that elite team has to dominate. You can't have those Jekyll and Hyde moments because you just don't know which team is showing up, and that's that's a concern. Yeah, it is. Of course, it's absolutely a concern. And you know, I keep you keep kind of going back to the thought about can you turn the spigot off and on like that? I mean, it's it's funny. You know, one of the thoughts I think we had. Check me if I'm wrong on this, but I, I I feel like it was pretty evident when we first saw the schedule. the The schedule was really front loaded, pretty heavy. I mean, that was going to be the first seven, eight, nine games were going to be pretty telling, and they got through that pretty well. Um, and I, I feel like the mentality was, yeah, and then you can coast to the finish line. And I feel like they're just coasting. And, you know, when you, when you coast, um, I, I don't know if, if, you know, you're fully able to re-engage the gears that the way you need them to at, at your will, right. You got to get out of that. It's about how you play every game. It, it's, it's, if you play down the opponent, that says something about you and, it's not like this is a one-time thing. So, again, they may be able to shrug that off, and and uh, but we have not seen them yet that they're able to beat the best even when they're playing the best, right? So that's – I'm less optimistic about them now than I, I would have been a month ago or even before the season. I, I felt like um, some things could fall their way, that, but now you're seeing the, the warts and all. I'm with you on that one, Vahe. And this is a team that could finish 14 and three in the regular season. In fact, we'll be favored to finish 14 and three in the regular season. And yet I, I just feel less confident about this team's playoff chances, even though you, you, you provided the example of the 2020 regular season and all those close games that the chiefs won. I, I remember the Carolina Panthers was one of those games where they needed the Falcons was another one. They needed a missed field goal at the end. And, um, uh, and just close game after close game for the Chiefs that they survived. And then they looked, they ended up winning two home playoff games, right? The Browns and the Bills, and and then had the, the Super Bowl disaster against the the, uh, the Tampa Bay Bucks. All right. So what do we uh what's our what's our comment on Harrison Butker? And is this a is this a matter of his opening game injury just messing with him to an extent that he cannot get right? This season, Herbie, what do you think? I, I think you got to remember a couple of weeks ago or shortly after he came back off of uh, his high ankle injury, he, he mentioned he told a bunch of us in the locker room that he's not going to be 100 percent the rest of the year. You know, even Dave Tobe acknowledged that he's not 100 percent healthy. And, and Tobe mentioned, you know, a 90 percent bucker is still better than the majority of the NFL's kickers. And you have to agree with that. Um I don't think that's too much of an issue with his technique and all that good stuff. I just think he's just not 100% healthy. It, it, but it's such an interesting question because in a sense, all right, you know, it's theoretically a, a, at least, you know, valiant to keep going if you're not hundred percent healthy and finding a way on the other hand, at some point you wonder if, if he's just on that edge where he's doing the team a disservice um, I mean, not that you shouldn't be doing everything you can to play, right? That's that's the thing. But it, somebody's somebody's got to determine if this is really uh, best chance to win with him as the guy right now, because you just feel like at some point they're going to get burned by a missed PAT, and then it's you know, and really today, I mean, yeah, they made up for it, but I mean, 
they got burned by him missing a late field goal. And that wasn't because it was out of his range. And I look, I'm sympathetic if he's still fighting an injury, but at some point it's also hard to, I think, separate uh, the mentality from the execution. I mean, whether, you know, is he, is he doing something mechanically a little different because he's, you know, not quite right. And how much does that play into it and how much is it in his head? But this is, this is a, a, at a point now where it it's, you know, he's not playing his way through it. it. You know, it's not, Oh, he's muscling through. And now he's, now he's the guy you, you thought he was again. I, I think this makes nine combined missed kicks today. I think he came into the game with seven, three extra points and four field goals. So you add yeah, one to each of those totals. Yeah, exactly. That's correct. And I think that's a career uh, worst uh, for him. And he hasn't, and he missed how many games, three or four games uh, after the opener because of the injury. Yeah. So I, I'm with you, Vahe. I'm, I'm, let me ask you this. Uh, when, when the Chiefs lined up for the 51 yarder at the end of regulation, were you, how confident were you that it was going to go through? Well, to uh, Pam Clark's point uh, on the screen in yep. front of us, it seemed, I, I, look, I, I've been persuaded by uh, our, our younger analytics guys that, that I, I've got this all wrong uh, to look at it this way, but I never understand the rationale for downshifting so you can just try a field goal. Because I always feel like even if it's 90%, you can do things with the ball that are not risky that take give you a shot at the end zone, or at least that are minimally risky. And then you're not left with a one and done opportunity. Um, you know, like, oh well, he didn't make it, so now that's it. I mean, so I I I I felt like I'd have to look back at the sequence. I don't have it right in front of me and don't remember the full sequence, but it absolutely they were content to milk the clock and get it get it into that situation. I think Patrick got sacked though, right in the right in the middle of that. No, that or was maybe, an over. That was an well, overtime. Right. That was overtime. That's right. But, but they did attempt to pass on on third and whatever it was, ten or eleven. They they try to you know a little slip screen to McKinnon, and that didn't go anywhere. The Texans did a good job sniffing uh, sniffing that one out. So I was glad that they attempted to pass, and and usually that that play has worked, uh, gotten some yards for the Chiefs this year. I thought, gosh. Um, I, I was thinking, get some more yards, get at least 10 yards closer, make it a 41-yard field goal, although he missed an extra point, from which is a 33-yarder. How about you, Herbie? Do you think he was going to make it? I, I, yeah, I did. <laughs> I did. I just felt I because just you had the Mahomes magic. You know, you had that 14-yard scramble, get them to the Texas 31-yard line. They're indoors. It's a controlled environment. If, they were, if this were outdoors, you know, maybe I'd have been like, yeah, you know, this is a 50-50 chance he's going to make this. I felt very confident that he was going to make that. Well, just th- and uh, by the way, uh, good to hear from you, Pam. Um, just think he pulled the extra point and he pushed the field goal. Um, so you talk about being all over the place. He was all over the place with his kicks today. And, you know, he, he's he been as Mr. Reliable almost as much as you can be in, in you know, heading into this year, um, entered the year at the second most accurate kicker in NFL history. And now you just you can't trust him. You just can't trust him. All right, guys. Uh, now, having gone through uh, all the problems, all the issues, such a downer for the Chiefs, they win the AFC West. And they are um, – uh, they're, they're, as we said earlier, going to play at least one home playoff game. And 
Uh, and if they can find a way to win that, uh, probably will play a second home playoff, could play a second home playoff game, uh, which which is great. I think what we'll do is save the the conversation about what it means to be a seven time division champion uh, for our next show, which will be on Thursday. Uh, understand that the Chiefs broke out the the caps and the T-shirts in the locker room after the game, the division winning caps and T-shirts. That's always a pretty cool thing. Um, good, good for the Chiefs. And um, uh, the the next game, uh, it's a short week, right? Turby, the uh, game is on Saturday at noon against the Seattle Seahawks. How's that going to affect like what the Chiefs do this week practice-wise? Yeah, they will be off Monday, so no media access Monday. Reed's not even talking Monday. And then what they're going to end up doing is Tuesday through Thursday, it'll be kind of like a regular Wednesday through Friday on regular weeks. I just want to make this point before you, 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 you boot us out of here, Blair. To me, it's it's incredible that the Chiefs improved to 11-3. and They've won the, the AFC West for the seventh straight time. And if you were to jump in on this show in the middle of it, you would have swore up and down the Chiefs lost. <laughs> that just, like, highlights the issues that, you know, we see uh, even, even with the win. And to, just to uh, play off of that, Blair, I almost uh, made my first remark to riff off of your thing from earlier in the week where this is now the Chiefs' third straight loss. Um, and <laughs> based on the glum feelings afterwards. So one one quick thing to add to some of the points we've made, I, I think this is really true, and I think maybe it's a consoling point for Chiefs fans. You know, when you see a team every week, you, you can't – it's like it's like the house I live in. I notice all the nonsense that I, I just can't ever get to. I wish I could spackle this and jack that and et cetera, and it just never gets done. You see it, you see it, you see it. And then when somebody comes over and sees the house, maybe they like it a little better. I feel like, you know, every team, every NFL fan watching its team has some misgivings about where their what their team has and where it's going. I mean, unless you're undefeated. And I I think that ought to be a consoling point for Chiefs fans. You know, other teams have their flaws too. And uh it's it's that's why this is a a, a great uh spectator sport. It's it's just great. <laughs> Life as a Tennessee Titans fan says someone behind the scenes, <laughs> and we'll thank him in just a moment. Um, I'll just say these guys were a fumble recovery away from getting all Fs today. Um, from me, we're gonna fl- fail them all. You know what it is. You, you bo- of course, you're both are right. Um, Eleven and three division champion. That is phenomenal. Um, uh, Herbie, you've been around for some pretty bad chief seasons in your life. And it's only been uh, peaches and roses to borrow a Whit Merrifield term for Vahe, who got here in 2013 along with Andy Reid and is nothing but winning seasons and only one year out of the playoffs for for you. And I've been here longer than certainly longer than both of you. And um, and I remember uh, some really, really bad times. Having said all that. This is now a team, and I don't, I don't care who else is on the roster besides Patrick Mahomes, uh, this is a team that plays for the Super Bowl every year. And when, when, we, when we're critical of teams in victory, it's because we hold the Chiefs to a standard that's fairly unreasonable given the, uh, the success rate of all, other, of, of all NFL teams. But that's kind of how we judge the Chiefs. Is, is it a Super Bowl-worthy performance? And for the past at least this three-game uh, road trip, Cincinnati, Denver, Houston, no. They have not turned in a Super Bowl-worthy performance. Have they this season, as Herbie alluded to earlier? 
Yeah, they have. The opener against Arizona, uh, the game at San Francisco, the game at Tampa Bay, uh, the, the gutsy comebacks they, they've had this year, down 10, I think, to the Chargers. And, yeah, they've, they've turned in those types of performances, and they do it more often than not. So, um, but, but as long as we think of the Chiefs as a Super Bowl team, I'm going to criticize them when they win the way they won today. Glad they won. Good for business. Um, good for fandom. But um, but they need to be better. So yeah, yeah, I, you're right, Blair. But it but but to your point, also, um, you know, we're probably I I think it's reasonable to say, and some of the 1960s Chiefs would might disagree with this, but we this might be. The, the era of eras in Chiefs history right now, we're still in the thick of it. And some of that's mysterious because we don't know the future, right? But um, four straight AFC championship game hostings at, at Arrowhead Stadium. It's amazing. You know, still two out of the last three Super Bowls. Um, Fantastic. Yeah. and But you're right. The bar is, the bar is, the bar is higher. Um, and, you know, good for everybody that it is, I think. Yep. No, no doubt about it. We we think of Super Bowl every training camp, right? We think of this team as, and, and that's that's how much the the quarterback has spoiled us, and uh, uh, and how much respect we have for um, ownership and coaching and, and all of that. So, um, anyway, as always, a great conversation with uh, Vahe Gregorian and Herbie Tiope. Thank you so much, guys, and for George Howard, a Tennessee Titans fan. You may or may not know. Um, it could be him. That will do it for today. Thanks to George Howard, who produced the podcast and the live stream on Sunday, and to our production crew of Monty Davis, Randy Mason, Jeff Rosen, and Scott Chasen. Tip of the cap to Vahe Gregorian and Herbie Teope for sharing their insights. Bunch of chief stories in today's morning sports edition, the best digital sports page in America. See what I mean by going to liveedition.kansascity.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back soon with another Sports Beat KC, where we talk sports in Kansas City every day.